are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome to a special episode of Locked On Pelicans. I am Christian Clark. I'll be filling in for Jake Madison on this Monday morning. Uh, I was told that Jake abruptly decided to take a sabbatical to Southeast Asia. Uh, I'm not really sure when he's going to be back. I'm not really sure what prompted him to take a trip. Uh, I'm wishing him the best over there. And I'm sorry that you guys are stuck with me to start off your week. Um, On today's show, I wanted to talk a lot of coaching search. Uh, You know, not only who is being considered, uh, I think it's, you know, kind of down to two guys, but also what qualities the Pelicans, you know, might be looking for in their next head coach. Um, and then I wanted to, at the end of the show, talk a little bit of draft, um, what I think the Pelicans might do with the number 10 pick in the draft that's coming up in a few weeks here. Um, and, and if they stay at 10, um, you know, some guys who I think are at least interesting names. So let's get into the coaching stuff. Um, I think this is down to two guys. I've thought that for a while now. I think it's Willie Green, who's the lead assistant with the Phoenix Suns. And I think it's Charles Lee, who is the numbers two assistant with the Milwaukee Bucks. Charles Lee's uh, Mike Budenholzer acolyte. Uh, Bud gave him, you know, kind of his start in Atlanta. He's been with them for seven seasons. Um, I, I could see it being either of these two guys. When you ask around, you know, the people who I trust in the league, they have told me that they believe Willie Green is the favorite to get the job. Um, I reported that Sunday in a story that ran on Noel.com that, that I, I believe that Willie is the favorite to get the job. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's sewn up or anything like that. And I think, you know, the biggest thing – the biggest hurdle left to clear is probably approval from ownership. I think that, you know, whoever the Pelicans decide on is going to get a chance to, you know, sit down or meet Gail Benson. Um, and I think, you know, management, David Griffin, Trajan Ling, they're going to make sure that the head coach, you know, can, can have a relationship with, with Gail Benson. Um, you know, I think honestly, that's a point of emphasis after Stan Van Gundy and Gail Benson, they, their relationship was non-existent, um, you know, per couple people in and around the organization. So I think that's why you're seeing that be a factor this time. Um, but, you know, I've really gotten to dig into Willie Green, you know, what he might believe, his style, what makes him an appealing candidate over the past week, past two weeks here. Um, you know, I think one of the things I keep coming back to is I think Willie Green can just relate to almost any player in the NBA because he's been in their shoes. Um, in fact, in, a, in an article, The Athletic ran in 2019 uh, when Willie was coaching the Suns Summer League squad, he said that was his biggest strength, uh, basically, that, listen, like he's, he's seen pretty much everything in the NBA. There's, there's nothing an NBA player you know, nowadays can take to him and be like, hey, man, I'm experiencing this, and, and Willie – you know, hasn't lived it in, in some sort of way. Uh, Willie, and I quote here, said, I've been a starter. I've come off the bench. There's times when I haven't played at all, so I can relate to what the players are going through. I was in their shoes. It's kind of easy to relate to when you've been there before. 
Um, so I think, you know, that is probably one of the biggest selling points for Willie. Um, you know, he's a guy who's going to turn 40 later this summer, still a relatively young guy. I think he'll be, if he ended up getting the job, the third or fourth youngest coach in the league. So a young, relatively young coach would be walking into a situation where I think there is a fair amount of pressure. Um, I think there's going to be expectations that the Pelicans make the playoffs next year. Um, I mean, at bare minimum, I think there's expectations that they've got to make the play in tournament. Um, so, you know, even if it's Willie or Charles Lee, I mean, we're talking about a first time head coach who is going to be going into a situation with a lot of pressure. I mean, I think David Griffin has, has got to get this one right, or he's going to be on some thin ice. I mean, I think, you know, this, this next year is his last strike if, if, if things don't get a little bit better. So I think anybody who comes into the situation is probably aware of that. Um, I think, you know, there's chatter around the league, certainly about the Zion Williamson situation. You know, the athletic reported a few weeks ago that certain members in Zion's camp don't want him on this team. Um, they want him on a different team. Um, I, you know, I hear a lot of that buzz, honestly, about what the people around Zion think. Um, I don't know for sure what Zion thinks because he doesn't really get into that with the local media. He hasn't yet up to this point in his career. Everything I've heard uh, has been that Zion, you know, he, he's willing to, you know, stay in New Orleans and build here so long as he thinks that there can be a winner. Um, and I, I do believe that, that, you know, if the situation around him improved, that this could be salvaged. But I think that's certainly a, another factor that anybody who takes this job is going to be aware of. Um, so it's not, it's not going to be the easiest job in the world. Um, but I think, I think Willie is a pretty interesting candidate. Um, I mean, you know, I just keep coming back to his experience, 12 years in the league. And then you look at, you know, his time spent as an assistant coach for the past five years, first three years uh, of his coaching career under Steve Kerr with the Golden State Warriors, um, got to see those Hamptons five teams, you know, up close, uh, got to know Kevin Durant, you know, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. I mean, that was you know, probably some of the most beautiful basketball we've ever seen played. Uh, and then I spent the last two years as Monty's lead assistant in, in Phoenix. Um, he's really tight with Chris Paul. Chris Paul has said he's like a brother to him. Um, I think one of the things that is interesting about Willie is that he's just seen the NBA changed so much in his 17 or so years around the league. I mean, just think about his first year was 0304 with the Philadelphia 76ers. That was kind of the Allen Iverson one man show, the era of isolation, basketball, physicality. Um, by the end of his playing career, you know, those Warriors teams with Steph and Draymond really coming on. I mean, that's the game changed so much just while he was a player. And I think even in his five years as a coach, the game has changed even more. I mean, the Suns made 23s in, in game two. That's just unconscionable. If you told somebody from like 2003 or 2004 that there would be a team that made 23 pointers um, in the NBA Finals. So I think Willie's experience, you know, everything he's seen at this level is an attractive selling point. Um, and I'm really curious what, what ends up happening, you know, this week, uh, maybe, maybe next week. Um, I think probably we won't get any official word until the NBA finals are, are wrapped up, but definitely something I'm going to continue to monitor. Okay. In section two, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Monty Williams and a specific 
I guess, coaching characteristic that I think is going to be important to the Pelicans as they make this hire. Stick around. All right, we'll be back with more Locked On Pelicans guest host Christian Clark here in just a minute. But before we do that, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and they've got the limited edition flavor out there. The best one I've had, the Built Grasshopper Cookie Bar. This thing is basically Thin Mints, the protein bar. So if you're looking for a protein bar that just tastes better than everything else, this is a great time to give Built Bars a try with this special flavor. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 5 grams of of sugar and if you don't want that flavor they've got a ton of others that are delicious so many delicious flavors coconut cherry barcia raspberry mint brownie double chocolate salted caramel strawberry orange cookies and cream german chocolate cake i've tried them all again huge fan of the mint brownie the double chocolate is great the salted caramel tastes like a candy bar it's got the consistency of a candy bar you're gonna have no idea that you're eating something healthy and if you want to give them all a try you can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors and not only are they the best tasting, they're healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, only 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams sugar, 4 to 5 grams net carbs. They're all amazing, all tasty, all healthy. So if you want to give them a try, go to built.com, use promo code locked on, and you're sorry, locked15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code locked15 for 15% off over at builtbar.com. Built Bar, the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA Finals coverage brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Phoenix Suns up 2-0. I didn't watch the game last night, so they're up 2-0. They might be up 3-0. They might be up 2-1. But they're in control of the series. Will Green, who Christian just talked a whole lot about, a huge piece in this. And one thing, this is my big takeaway from the Finals. Everyone gives this guy so much credit Chris Paul speaking about him after games. Monty Williams speaking about him after games. The credit they give him, the the faith they have in him as an assistant coach, unbelievably uh, important, I think, to this run to the finals that the Suns have had. So Willie Green, maybe the front runner for the Pelicans head coaching job. So now back to today's episode of Locked on Pelicans with Christian Clark of NOLA.com. Welcome back here on Locked on Pelicans. Uh, I'm Christian Clark filling in for Jake Madison today. Once again, Jake is... On a sabbatical in Southeast Asia, um, I hope he's eating some good noodles. I hope he is drinking some delicious drinks out of a coconut. Um, I've never been to Southeast Asia. I really want to go and hear good things. So I'm hoping that he's enjoying his trip so far and that he comes back. All right. I'm very, very jealous. Uh, all right. I want to talk about that moment that Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton had in the fourth quarter of game two. I wrote a column about this uh, for Sunday paper, Noel.com. You can read it there. Um, I thought what Monty showed in that moment with DeAndre Ayton was, you know, a pretty good example of how you get the most out of players in 2021. And I guess what I mean by that is that, you know, Monty Williams clearly has the ability to be uplifting and demanding in a way that players respect. And I think that's a really, really difficult thing to pull off nowadays. I mean, I, I just think, you know, coaching these guys because of the amount of money that they have, the amount of power that they have, um, the youth in a lot of cases, like so many of these guys are teenagers in their early 20s. I think it's gotten really, really difficult. And I think, you know, there's a reason why you've seen some former players, Monty Williams, former NBA player, Steve Nash, former NBA player, like these guys, one of the reasons they're having success is, like these guys can come in and say, Hey man, I, I played in the NBA for 
a long time. Like I, I know exactly what it takes. Um, and it, you know, I think the Pelicans previous two coaches, Alvin Gentry and Stan Van Gundy, Alvin Gentry maintained good relationships with his, his players. I mean, the entire season that I covered the team, even through that 13 game losing streak was, which was just absolutely brutal. Um, the guys really never tuned out Alvin Gentry, I would say, or it never got to the point where they're like, oh man, like, I, like him talking, like I, I just, I just can't listen to this guy anymore. It never got to that. I think where Alvin sometimes struggled was he couldn't be demanding in, in moments that he needed to be demanding and, and, you know, get players to pull the rope really hard in one direction. Um, I think the Pelicans struggled on the defensive end um, for the majority of his tenure. I don't think, it, you know, much emphasis was placed on that end of the court. I think they played pretty undisciplined basketball a lot of the time. The turnover rate was really, really high. They struggled in end of game situations. Um, a lot of that I put on the personnel, honestly. Um, but, you know, I put some of that on the coaching too. I think it's Stan Van Gundy, although the Pelicans were not a good defensive team, turnover thing got a little bit better. I think Stan Van Gundy had the opposite problem in a lot of ways was he tried to be extremely demanding and it got to the point where the players just started to toot him out. Um, I think there was no better example of this than the game against the New York Knicks in April when, you know, that was a game the Pelicans really had to have. They're up three with seven seconds to go. Um, and Stan Van Gundy instructs them in, in the huddle right before they go out in the court. Hey, guys, we need to intentionally foul on this one. Not only does Eric Bledsoe not intentionally foul, the guy goes right by him. Lonzo Ball sucks in. Remember, Pelicans are up three. They don't care about giving a two-pointer. Lonzo Ball momentarily sucks in. The ball gets kicked to the corner. Reggie Bullock drains a three. Boom. Tie game. Uh, Pelicans go on to lose that game in overtime. Afterward, Eric Bledsoe admits, you know, he just basically had a brain fart. Um, he, you know, apparently knew that Sam Gundy told them to foul in the huddle, but just didn't do it. I think that was, you know, probably the most damning example of, like the players just tuning Stan Van Gundy out. And I think, you know, that happened a lot this year. And I think probably the biggest factor in his dismissal from everything I've heard was that, you know, management spoke to the players and, and kind of got their feel on like, what were your thoughts on playing for this guy? And not many of them enjoyed it. Um, you know, and if you got a situation where your players don't like playing for your coach very much and you didn't really get um, – improvement on the court. I mean, the Pelicans record under Stan Van Gundy was almost identical as it was to the record under Alvin Gentry. Then, you know, that's, that's grounds for dismissal in management's eyes, which is what happened. Um, so, you know, I think this ability that, that Monty showed in that, that moment with DeAndre Ayton, um, you know, to be uplifting, demanding, to kind of walk the line between understanding and demanding is something I think the Pelicans are searching for. Um, and I, I don't think it's a very easy thing for a player to do nowadays. I think, you know, one of the best, best coaches at pulling this off is Ty Lue, a guy who David Griffin hired in Cleveland, put on, and he frankly tried to get for this opening last year. Ty Lue took the job in, you know, with the Clippers, which is just a better job. I, I don't blame him for that at all. Um, but, you know, there are some pretty – great stories about, you know, how Ty Lue held LeBron James accountable, um, you know, that 2016 season in Cleveland. Like, 
Ty Lue had the cachet to cachet the F-bomb LeBron sometimes. I mean, you can go back and read the stories like <laughs> LeBron was trying to tell Ty Lue what to do in a huddle one time, and Ty Lue goes, shut the F up during a huddle. Uh, during halftime of Game 7, there's been a lot of reporting on just, you know, Ty Lue basically told LeBron in the huddle, hey, man, you got to do better. We need more for you. We're not going to win this game. Like, improve your body language, this and that. He told him, your legacy on the line. Um, and, you know, James, it sounded like LeBron kind of bristled at first, um, but then he took it. I mean, Ty Lue is just one of those guys where, you know, he's not constantly yelling and screaming at his guys. I think he picks his spots. And, you know, he was such a respected player and I think has such good people skills that when he does pick his spots, people listen to him. So I think, you know, that quality is going to be so, so important for whoever gets hired next. I mean, I, I think Stan McGundy really tried to get Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram to, to buy in a defensive end this year. I think he was mostly unsuccessful. Um, I don't, I mean, I think Zion Williamson is going to become a good defender at the NBA level. I don't know if Brandon Ingram is ever going to become a good defender at the NBA level, but it's, it's going to take someone special, I think, to, to get through to a guy like B.I. and get him to buy in on defense. And I think, you know, that's one of the many reasons they're making a change. Like, it, it just, I think, is going to take a special person to, you know, get the most out of these Pelicans two stars um, and this young roster. And it's got to be someone who the players respect. they got to respect his experience. But someone who's got good people skills, too, and, and can kind of, you know, walk the line again between demanding and understanding. It's a difficult, difficult thing to do. And uh, Monty Williams is clearly one of the guys who does it well in this league. Okay, this last segment, uh, I want to talk about draft stuff. Stick around for segment three. Before we get to that, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA Finals are here. You want to make these games more interesting? You need a rooting interest? No better way to get in on the action than over at BetOnline.ag. Plus, they have all the latest news, odds, and info for any sport you could want. MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. So before tip-off, head to BetOnline on your mobile device or laptop and check out all the great news. Any sign-up bonuses they have and fun, quick contests to make these games more interesting. You don't want to sit on the sidelines anymore. So head to the website using your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus. Bonus on your first deposit using promo code Locked On over at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Back here on Locked On Pelicans, uh, Christian Clark with you. Our final segment: um, the NBA draft is, let's see here, uh, a little less than three weeks away, which is pretty crazy. Um, I'm I'm all messed up from how the the calendar, the NBA calendar has shifted um, because of the pandemic. <laughs> it looks like we're going to go back to a normal calendar, which, yeah, I guess is good, but it's been a couple of short off-seasons. Um, but anyways, that's, uh, that's small potatoes. So Pelicans have the number 10 pick in the July 29th draft. Um, hopefully this will be their most valuable um, draft pick for many, many years. I think if the Pelicans – are picking in the lottery again next year, something will have gone pretty wrong. Um, you know, especially if they're all the way up at 10, like something really went wrong. That means, you know, they weren't a play in tournament team, which if they're not a play in tournament team next year. Oh man, that's going to be a, a, a disaster. And uh, I think things would get pretty ugly then, but we won't go down that road uh, 
quite yet. Um, but I think, you know, this is kind of a really valuable, you know, piece or, or draft pick for the Pelicans if they choose to use it. Um, the number one question I've kind of got over the last week and a half, do you think the Pelicans hold on to this draft pick? Um, I would bet right now that they don't. You know, I've been told by people I, I trust that they're going to look at moving this pick um, pretty heavily. Um, look, NBA rookies are, are just rarely good players. I mean, I think that's kind of the biggest reason why it seems things are trending that way. Like, we all watched Kyra Lewis Jr. this year, and I think for the most part, we all thought, all right, this guy, like, definitely has something. Like, he's a really interesting player. I think he can turn into something. But if you're just talking about was Kyra Lewis Jr. a good or bad NBA player this year, he was a bad NBA player this year. Like, it's just, that's just the case with the overwhelming majority of rookies. Like, there just aren't very many lamello balls where you get, like, the flashes of talent and they lead to winning in year one. It's just so, so hard to meaningfully contribute to winning, you know, when you're a rookie in this league, especially if you're you know, 19, 20 years old, like a Kyra Lewis Jr. was. Um, so my kind of gut feeling is that they move this pick. Now, you know, David Griffin doesn't make trades just to make trades. Like, I don't, you know, he is the one thing he's done pretty well, I think in New Orleans has gotten a lot of value back in the trades that he's made. So I don't think he's just going to like move the 10th pick for like a poo-poo platter in return or anything. Um, but I think there's a strong chance that, that he does just because look, he, he understands that this next season is, is probably his last strike if, if things don't improve here. I mean, I think there's just a sense up and down the organization that things need to get better quickly here. They realize that Zion Williamson is eligible for an extension in the summer of 2022. They realize, you know, first two years have not gone well with him here. I mean, you're number one, that, that wasn't their fault in a lot of different ways. You know, Zion dealt with the injury. He was not in very good shape for a lot of that season. You know, he showed up way overweight in the bubble. Um, year two, he was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I thought one of the best 20-year-old seasons we've ever seen um, from an NBA player. And David Griffin did not put good pieces around him. The pieces didn't make sense. Pelicans were a bad, frustrating team. Um, and here we are, you know, in year three with quite a bit of pressure to get it around, get it right around Zion Williamson. Um, if the Pelicans do end up staying at number 10, um, I've kind of got a, a short list of guys who I think are, are really interesting names in that slot. Um, so far, I've kind of done, um, I don't want to say deep dives, medium dives on two of the guys I like there. Um, number one is Corey Kispert, four-year player out of Gonzaga. The other is James Booknight, um, played two years at Connecticut. Um, both are kind of two slash threes, I would say. Like they could spend time at either position. I think both, you know, help you on the perimeter, both help you with your shooting slash shot making. Um, I would not be disappointed at all if, you know, the Pelicans came away with one of those two players on draft night. Um, you know, they're pretty, pretty different players. Um, I think, you know, they'd help in, in different ways. I think that Corey Kispert has got a better chance to contribute right away at the NBA level. I mean, he's a little bit up there in age. You know, a lot of people have kind of compared him to Cam Johnson with the Phoenix Suns. Like, yeah, he's an older player, but he can shoot the absolute hell out of the ball. 
He can help you right away. Like, and he could just be a really nice role player for you. Um, I think that, you know, clearly there's a need for upgraded outside shooting on this team. I mean, it was like painful to watch Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram had to create something out of nothing in the half court over and over and over again um, last season. I mean, I think Pelicans front office has got to figure out ways to allow those guys to play in the more space. I mean, I think that was frustrating for those guys too, because, you know, not only were they, did they have like Stan Van Gundy who, look, I, I think he's a good coach. He just wasn't the right fit for this roster. Not only did they have him in his ear all year screaming at the play defense, their lives were so hard on offense. It's like, man, like three guys are going to load up on me every time I try to do something. And yet both those guys were able to score a lot. They are able to score efficiently. I would just love to see what those guys do with a little more space. And I think Corey Kispert is, um, you know, arguably the best shooter in the draft. Like I guess people have said Kate Cunningham. Uh, I probably wouldn't fight you there. Um, but maybe a better way to put it is Corey Kispert is the best shooting specialist in the draft. Um, he's a guy – knock it down on a standstill. He can shoot it off movement. Um, you know, as you see in transition, he runs a three-point line. He'll pull that thing quickly and accurately. You know, he can kind of come off screens a little bit. He has some of that, but he's not like J.J. Redick in that regard or anything. But I think he definitely, definitely help you there. And, I mean, it's just, it's just an extremely clean fit. Um, and I, I think he's just a sound player. Like, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I don't think he's a bad defensive player. I think he knows where to be, when to be there. I mean, yes, there are some concerns about his ability to defend in space, but I think he's just a really sound basketball player who's going to shoot the hell out of the basketball at the next level. And, man, he's got range. Like, he wasn't taking those threes, you know, with his foot right next to the three-point line that last year at Gonzaga. Like, go back and watch a couple of the games, watch the highlights, watch the game where he hit nine threes. I believe it was against Virginia. Like, He's pulling that thing like three and four feet behind the three-point arc. So I don't worry about like his range translating to the NBA level at all. Um, so I, I think that would be a solid pick. Uh, Book Knight is a guy I honestly didn't know a lot about um, until, you know, I kind of did my deepish dive these past couple weeks. I think he, he really popped on film when I watched him. And I think, you know, what he does really well, he's big, six foot five. Uh, six foot eight wingspan. He's got vertical pop. Like you see him around the basket, like he can hang forever. Um, he'll throw down nasty dunks every once in a while. Like he'll do a lot of like, oh my God, that guy just glided like so far from point A to point B. And he's a really good finisher around the rim. Um, and the other thing too is he's hard to, for defenders to stay in front of them. And he's not a guy who looks like he's moving fast all the time, but he still has the ability to just get by guys. Like he's got a great hesitation game. Um, you know, he's a guy from Brooklyn and I think you can definitely see the New York influence in his game. Like he's just a guy with like a lot of shake and it's like smooth shake. It's not herky jerky shake at all. Um, but I like him quite a bit. Uh, those are, those are two of the names, you know, I, I've kind of looked at most two of the names I like a lot. Um, I think Moses Moody, you know, as interesting as a uh, three and D guy with a high floor, although he's a super young guy, I think Josh Giddy is another interesting name. But the point is that if the Pelicans do stay at 10, which I would be a little surprised, uh, I think there could be a number of interesting players there. So I'm just really curious to see what happens on draft night because I think it could be a good outcome for the Pelicans, you know, no matter what happens. But 
again, I would just expect them to move the pick because of the urgency to win this next season. Okay, guys. Well, thanks for putting up with me on this Monday. Um, I'm sure you guys will be hearing from me sooner rather than later. You can read my stuff on NOLA.com. And thanks.